And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. Tonight, we rewatched your number two seeded Indiana Hoosiers defeat the number seven seed LSU Tigers and Shaquille O'Neal 94 to 87 to advance to the Sweet 16 in the 1992 NCAA tournament. Uh, the victory was Indiana's 25th, and this marks the fourth time in the last six seasons that the Hoosiers have reached that number of victories, and Indiana's Sweet 16 appearance will be its third in its last four seasons. This win match- matches up Indiana with Florida State next week in the Sweet 16 as Florida State defeated Georgetown 78-63 to earlier this afternoon. The other side of the bracket will be determined tomorrow as number one UCLA takes on number eight Louisville and the upset side of the bracket, number 12, New Mexico State, takes on 13th seed, Southeast Louisiana. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips and Scott Caulfield from the Crimson Cast, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call post-game show. And let's start uh, this uh, show the way we start every show, and that's with our banner moment. Tonight's banner moment occurred when I turned on the TV and saw that Dale Brown was coaching for LSU. At that moment, I knew Indiana was going to win. A little bit of credit to Coach Knight for that. The actual banner moment occurred with 2.42 left in the game when Calbert Chaney caught the ball in the middle of the lane against the LSU zone defense and attacked the rim, and Shaquille O'Neal scored and was fouled. The ensuing free throw increased Indiana's lead to 79-72 and broke the game open after LSU had cut it to three just moments earlier. Calbert hit a big shot, hit big shot after big shot all night long on his way to 30 points. That is our banner moment. And speaking of our banner moment, we're really, um, as always, it's brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and remains based in Indianapolis. They may have 60-plus different schools available on their website, but Indiana was their first school, and they remain huge supporters of Indiana athletics. So that's one reason to support Homefield Apparel. But the two most important reasons to shop Homefield are comfortable, even after being washed, and unique. Logos you can't find anywhere. And it's always nice to tune in and see your co-host wearing Homefield Apparel sweatshirt. Uh, and we all have it. Uh, I just ordered four t-shirts uh, because of uh, what Connor and the guys are doing uh, for their workers. And remember... Because you're a member of Assembly Call audience, you'll get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. Okay, it's time now to uh, move the ball, find the open man, stop the music, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And this is going to be a good one, folks. Buckle up. It is now starting. Ryan, your thoughts on this victory tonight by your Indiana Hoosiers. You know what was really nice to see was for something we haven't seen in a long time, I think, at Indiana. And I know we're supposed to be broadcasting this as if it's live, so we'll go back to that. But leadership from the from the upperclassmen, I thought. In the first half, things weren't going well for Indiana. Guys like Calvert Chaney, Jamal Meeks, Matt Nover, uh, Eric Anderson, all stepping up and making some big shots to kind of keep Indiana in the game. They got some from Alan Henderson, who's a freshman as well, but it felt like that core group kind of gave everybody else confidence, that upperclassman group. I mean, you know, uh, Jamal Meeks was a senior who hadn't played much. He stepped up, hit a big three, and then played some good defense on the other end. Eric Anderson, senior. Uh, Calvert Chaney, junior. Uh, you know, 
Matt Nova, a junior. Again, you're, you're seeing those older, more mature guys kind of step up. Damon Bailey, sophomore, didn't have a great game. Uh, but other guys really stepped up and played well and, and made up for the mistakes that other guys made. And it just felt like a full team effort. I know that that everyone's going to remember Calvert going for, you know, 30 points and eight rebounds in 38 minutes against Shaq. And that was sort of uh, the, the key battle sort of on the inside and how he was using his quickness and guile to get around Shaq and score, whereas Shaq was just overpowering people. But I really thought it was important that, you know, the other guys all stepped up as well. You had 19 points from Allen Henderson, again, a freshman, but then you had 13 from Matt Nover, 12 from Anderson. Um, and then just to keep the ball moving against that zone at the top is the backcourt had a really bad game. They kept the ball moving, hit the, hit the high post uh, area of the zone a lot, caused it to collapse, and then got guys in the corners, got guys inside. Uh, just really a smart game plan from Indiana, and 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 it was nice to see that leadership on the court, sort of sort of allowing uh, the team to sort of function properly throughout. They didn't get out of shape. They were down fourteen early, didn't get bent out of shape. Just kept attacking the zone. They knew they could attack the zone in, in certain areas and kept going to it, kept going to it. And LSU never stopped them. And it was basically sort of this is what we're going to do. Prove you can stop us. And LSU couldn't. And I just felt it was led by that that sort of upperclassman group, got everybody in the right position and executed. And I thought that was that was the story of the game. Was LSU was based completely around one guy doing one thing in the post, whereas Indiana sort of had a balanced leadership and a balanced attack, looking at multiple angles and 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 uh, ways to defeat that zone uh, on offense. And I thought they did a really good job. And also kudos to Coach Knight for throwing out a bunch of different defenses on Shaq to sort of, you know. I know the guy wound up with what thirty six and 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 twelve, and um, also shot twelve twelve in the free throw line. So who could have seen that coming? But he 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 wound up with thirty six points. But they also a lot of times as they were trying to throw it in there, you saw an extra defender drop down there and grab the steal and and kind of make it difficult. And then sort of you know at, at the end, sort of daring LSU to shoot threes. So it was a really good game plan. Indiana stuck to it and attacked. And I really thought that those those upperclassmen were at the front of that. And now introducing our third member of the panel from Crimson Cast, uh, Scott Caulfield, your thoughts on Indiana's victory tonight over uh, those LSU Tigers. Hey, guys, super excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, I mean, it's a great win. Here's the thing, you know, coming down the end of the stretch, you had this, you know, IU team, which we all knew was really good. But, you know, they lost four road games in the back half of the Big Ten, two of which to a Purdue and a Minnesota team that were eight and 10, which probably cost us the one seed um, in the Southeast bracket, which went to Ohio state. And it's annoying because then we get this team in LSU who I got to pull it up. Like they, they were eight, uh, 12, 12 and 10 overall, but 12 and sorry, 21 and 10 overall, but 12 and four in the sec 25th rank. You got a beast in Shaq. I mean, this is just a brutal regional. We get pushed out to. Yeah. How are they ranked us. that low? You know, I know. I know. Well, Dale, Talk to Bill Walton. He'll tell you about Dale Brown being a bad coach. We'll get to that. Um, but, you know, I got to I got to agree with a lot of what Ryan said. You know, this was a team that you could not have started this game worse. You know, you're down 27 to 13. You've got, I, I'd be hitting the reset button if I was playing my Nintendo with double dribble. Got to remember we're in 92. That's, you know, but double dribble is a tough game. Um, no 2-3 zone in there. But, I mean, you know, their 2-3 zone, we looked like we weren't quite sure what to do against it. You had Shaq going nuts. He had two dunks, three blocks. Um, we're kind of at, at the early point running everything through Matt Nover, who looks like he's scared. I mean, I would be too. Shaq's a freaking monster. Um, but, you know, we, we come back 
Shaq goes out and then really LSU goes nuts on D. They start cheating on everything. We know exactly, you know, credit again to this team to go exactly to the right spot. They go to the wings, they start shooting there. But then you also have moments where, you know, we never really put this LSU team away. You get down into the second half, it's 47 all. Bailey hits a huge three. We'll get to him a little bit later. But, you know, even with a couple minutes left, it gets down to 73-70 with four minutes to go. You have a couple of big plays. Again, Damon Bailey coming up huge. You have the move by Cheney mentioned. Um, and really, you know, when, when the going got tough, we were able to make the better plays. I also got to say, too, you know, last thing is that our ability to kind of hold the game, I, I, I think at some point in the future, I would love it if somebody had some kind of like, you know, points per possession or like, you know, be able to know like you know, the pace of games or like, I, there's got to be a way to do this. I'm sure, I'm sure Bill Walton's going to be all over that. But, you know, I, I look at, I look at the way that we slowed the game down, even though there was a lot of, a lot of points, we still, we were very, you know, diligent with the ball, a lot of pump fakes. We slowed it down. The few times LSU got in the transition, like Singletary was fantastic. They were able to post up Shaq early. You know, we stopped LSU from getting into transition. Like we stopped everything they could do. We still let Shaq get his. So no, it's, it's a great game. And now, you know, we go up against the, the complete opposite. Again, this is a brutal we got to go in Florida State with all their guards and, you know, Sam Cassell and Bobby's and uh, Sura and maybe Charlie Ward if he comes back from injury. But, no, just a, a great a great game by, by a good team I think is going to have a great run this year. Yeah, I was telling my fiance Amy, um, that uh, the, pace, the pace of the game was going to be one thing to watch. And, uh, you know, I was, kind of, I was kind of shocked that both teams were shooting, um, not quickly, as you mentioned, Scott, but yet – there was a lot of points, a lot of shots, and, and never any late shot clock situations. Shots got put up uh, with ease on both sides. And, in fact, at times I think it played into Indiana's hand that LSU took some quick shots instead of reversing it two or three times and throwing it in, in, in inside to, to Shaquille. So let's start – let's talk about this. Um, and it was mentioned, Indiana's defense on Shaquille O'Neal, I thought it was really – um, outstanding, and, and there was a variety of ways, but they were really playing off the shooters. And at one time, LSU was 12 of 15, uh, and that's when it was 27 to 13. And that shows the genius uh, of Coach Knight as well, is, is let them get their shots and feel comfortable, uh, and that that couldn't always – that shooting percentage couldn't be maintained. Scott, your, your thoughts on, on the defense on Shaquille in the first half. What changed in the second half when, when he did go off a little bit more, or, or was it just him finding his – you know, footing. I, I think what it was, I mean, there was just the few times that they were able to get the ball to him was either he set up very early in the post on transition, or there was a couple times where like either Graham or Meeks didn't roll. I mean, IE was basically playing a three, two zone with the two guys just on Shaq and the third guy, like always coming back. But there were times where, you know, LSU would do a good job, like you said, of rotating the ball or Shaq would just get a good post. I mean, the guy's a stud. He'd get a good post up and they'd get it. It's, it's weird. Cause on one hand, they seemed to hit him every time he was open. On the other hand, I felt like they were never looking for him. And like Singletary and Caesar were taking these shots without looking in. But, you know, I, I think what happened is just you just can't keep a dude like that down. I mean, we we have a good front line, but we don't have, you know, a dude like Shaq. And so I think we did about as well as we could do. Um, and I think that, you know, there came a point. It's like we're just going to let them, you know, get it in on. But honestly, I don't think we did anything different. I just think that LSU was able to exploit the few times where they were able to rotate the ball and our defense wasn't able to rotate enough around him. And mostly when Shaq was scoring, it's when he was on one-on-one -on -one coverage with Nover or maybe like one and like one by one and a half with, you know, him and Greg Graham. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I think that Bill Walton is completely wrong saying that Shaq should come back for another year. <laughs> what else does that guy have to prove? I mean, come on. He's, He's he might be a top 15 pick. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that uh, Shaq a few times, what happened is they would have a double team on him. He would turn around like he was going to go to the other block and then you cut back real quick and you'd find some, some creases there. He had, a, he's a real innate ability to find those open spaces for a guy that big. He's pretty quick. And, and, and so he was finding sort of, and, and also look, you know, he's big and strong. He was pushing guys around a little bit to where, so, I mean, there's only so much you can do defensively there. And I think that coming out of the second half, I think that he was energized. And I think that the directive from the coach must've been just get him the ball and let him go to work. And, you know, he, he got it sometimes in a crowd and would still power his way to a basket. And um, I thought that was, that was just an example of how great he was. It, it wasn't a knock on Indiana's defense. Indiana was doing everything it could, throwing multiple looks, throwing multiple guys, rotating guys on him, getting a front and, a, and, and somebody in the back. And, you know, really just it was clear their game plan was to make it difficult to get it in there, make Shaq work for those points. Now, he got 36 points, but he definitely worked for them, and, and he had to go get 12 of them at the line. So Yeah, and I, I got uh, to hit on that, too. I mean, part of the reason he did well in the second half is we were fouling him. You know, we were going at him, and you should. He's a 50% free throw shooter, and the guy went 12 for 12 on the line. I have a feeling – in, in retrospect, and this might be an interesting game people look back on in five or ten years, you know, like, that, you know, that you, you stop Shaq, but he also goes 12 for 12 from the line. I mean, honestly, like, that's what kept – he was so productive because we were just hacking him. Yeah. You know what? Wait. You know, if he does go pro, like, that should be a strategy, like hacking Shaq. Um <laughs> I don't, I don't think so, you, man. He would not after he would tonight, what you would call it. Well, you, yeah, you, you might be right. Maybe maybe you shouldn't do that in the pros. Yeah, maybe it's like, it's, a, it's a new league. But no, it's like they, they were doing what he should do. It's like they were just fouling the heck out of him, but he was still scoring. Like, I just don't think in a lot of games he's going to go 12 for 12 from the line. That's fair. No, but I, I think that as far as you look at it, I think Indiana had the right strategy, executed yeah. that strategy. And, and it's like, the, you know, uh, currently with a guy like Michael Jordan in the NBA. God. Um, you know, you let him get his points, but you make sure nobody yeah. else really steps up and can continually beat you. And you saw late in the second half, Indiana was daring anybody on LSU to shoot the ball and, and, and really did a good job. And, and uh, you're right that right off the bat, LSU was knocking everything down. It looked like, all right, if they're going to shoot like this, the game's over. There's no, you have no chance against a team that shoots like that, but water finds its level. They came back down to earth. And then it was basically the second half was all shack and nobody else really stepping up. And Indiana played it perfectly, I thought, from then on. Well, you, they and were you very physical. In the first five minutes, they're down 14-7, and Shaq has only touched the ball yeah. once. Like, yep. that's nuts. Like, you know, he only has six points, and they're up, what, 27-13. to 13. Like, yeah. that would be – that's the amazing start for LSU. Yeah, they no, were and very he did physical most of his work the in post. the second half. They were very physical with him in the post, pushing and shoving. LSU made a good adjustment, putting him on the move a little bit more, block to block, and trying to yeah. move him you know, a little bit out further. Uh, but what Indiana did was mess with the psyche of, of LSU. Do I shoot? Do I pass? Coach said to, the emphasis at halftime is to throw it into Shaquille, but now I'm wide open. And that's just enough to, to, to uh, mess with a, a group. Uh, and they got hot early, but then cooled off, uh, and Indiana was able to, to hold off. Before we go into our, our second uh, segment. I'd like to ask you guys about the bench play. I thought Jamal Meeks came in um, and Eric Anderson came in in that first half uh, when Indiana was struggling down 27 to 13 and both of them kind of calmed Indiana down. 
Uh, Anderson hit some big shots, especially on the baseline, uh, because the wings in that zone, which we'll talk about a little bit later, were playing so high. Uh, but I thought the bench play really gave Indiana a spark uh, tonight. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on, on those two specifically? Yeah, and especially in that first half where LSU was so hot and got up about 14, you saw Meeks come in and hit a three. You saw Anderson hit some big jumpers. And and to come in and and provide as as you know a pair of seniors and the two captains to come in and provide that lift. And then I thought Meeks played really well defensively the rest of the game, kind of shutting kind of making it difficult on LSU to take those shots because he was there. He was helping out and and he didn't get chased off screens and things like that. He was always in the right position. And, you know, a guy who had kind of been in the doghouse and not playing well because or not playing much because other players had surpassed him on the depth chart, uh, came in and played, what was it, 30 something minutes. And uh, really, I mean, that was 32 minutes. And that was a surprise, especially with a guy like Greg Graham that got wound up basically getting relegated to the bench and only playing 12. So uh, and Chris Reynolds, too, only played 10. So so he really stepped up as the guard that was sort of the you know, the guy who was holding everything together and, um, you know, Dame Bailey played 28. So it was basically those two guys in the backcourt for most of the game. And I thought that just those guys stepping up off the bench, the, the Anderson and, and, and Meeks and showing some of that, as I said, in my intro veteran sort of mentality of let's just stick with the plan. Let's follow our game plan and it'll all work out. And, and just keeping everybody calm. That was a huge part of, of Indiana sort of starting that comeback in the first half. And of course, you know, they, they were down 14, they raced out and had a lead at halftime. You know, it wasn't like this was a slow comeback that happened over two periods of play. It, you know, they raced right back ahead. And I thought those two guys were, were a huge part of it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting. You mentioned the bench because I mean, I use only got 10 guys on this team, but they only played eight today. You know, Leary and Lindemann didn't play, I guess, you know, Lindemann against Shaq probably isn't a, isn't a fair, a fair would play. Have been funny, there, though. Would have been that, funny. That would, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been great for at least a minute and a half, but on the flip side, Louisiana state plays 13 guys, you know, a couple more at the end there, but no, I mean, I, I thought that was interesting when I looked at the box cards, like you only had eight guys. And like you mentioned, Chris Reynolds only played 10 minutes. Graham only played 12. Um, but coach, you mentioned, you know, Eric Anderson, he comes in right about when Shaq leaves in the beginning of the second half. He hits a three. He then starts finding, you know, what LSU starts doing on defense, what I thought was interesting, is that 2-3 zone. It, it was amazing how different it was when Shaq was in and when he wasn't. When he was out, they had no idea, like, how to kind of manage the zone. The two guys in the bottom on the wings were just cheating everything and maybe they were trying to do that to try and get transition and get things moving but they were cheating to the point that the the baseline jumper was just wide open and you out uh, both eric anderson and alan henderson just exploited that the rest of the first it half and that's when we made him a run yeah. yeah but anderson came in did a great job henderson you know was doing great at that but i was i thought it was interesting you basically only had eight guys play and of those six only had really you know over 13 minutes um, where you saw, you know, LSU kind of rotating all these guys in. Um, so yeah, it was, it, the bench was important, but in, in a way it was kind of like Meeks was a starter and you had like a couple guys playing a little bit, but you basically had a six man rotation. This is a tight, tight rotation for night. Yeah. And I'd also, before we, we go to a break, I'd like to talk a little bit about Matt Nover. Uh, you mentioned he was a little nervous. I would be nervous too, going up a, a, against Shaq, but I did think, that getting the ball inside was very, very important early because it kept Shaq at the rim. And part of the baseline opening up was that Shaq wasn't coming out. When, when the forward would yeah. take the first pass and then a guard would throw down to the short corner, Shaq's not coming out. 
And when you hit the ball inside, the first three, one was a block and a turnover travel, uh, but it, it showed Shaq that we were going to come at you, and he stayed in that block, and it opened up for Henderson and Anderson later. And Nover hit some big shots. So uh, yeah. Matt Nover had a heck of a start to that game, uh, and he's got to be in, in – uh, did they ha- – I don't know if jacuzzis are invented yet, <laughs> but an ice bath or a warm warm bath there for uh, staying inside the, the bit here. But um, he got bruised and battered all night, but Matt Nover I thought was a key to that first half. Yeah, and he was posted up in the middle of the key of the paint too. Instead yeah. of going, you know, on a block one side or the other, he was posted up right in the middle, so you have an option to go one way or the other. On a great shot blocker, you have to have that option. And and instead of just pinning yourself to one side where he can go straight up and block it, you know, from that one angle. And I thought Matt Nover, yeah, he was turning around shooting some fadeaways and stuff to get away from Shaq. But, you know, he sort of got comfortable, as Scott mentioned, he was kind of uncomfortable early. He sort of got comfortable, started hitting a few of those, you know, short in jumpers. And then his ability in there, oh, as you said, opened up the wings because those those sort of wing defenders kind of sucked in a little bit. He could. He also kicked it out a few times to wings and 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 was moving the ball around. I thought he played a great game, and uh, I, I thought really he again along with those other guys was a key to sort of stabilizing things in the first half by just being able to turn around, and put the ball in the hoop, and and, and, the thing- and that's especially from the from the post, you know, from from the front court against a really good you know defender there. You the ability to just put the ball in the hoop and feel some confidence. It was huge. No, and I, I like the fact that Nover kept at it. He did look scared in the beginning. He kept at it and, and kept saying with the same shots. He had those turnarounds. But I will say this, and you know, we're we're deep into this pod already. It's crazy we're now talking about it, but you just have to be amazed at the poise and the how good Calvert Cheney is. I mean, he never looks scared. He's going at Shaq. You know, early in the first half, he goes in and just has a couple little layups. He obviously has that great one in the second half um, near the end of the game, the little left-handed layup where I'm not sure people People forgot he's left-handed and he goes up, gets the and one. Um, he shot one over you know, his head he, at one point. That yeah. Went in. He's, he's hitting the right spots in the zone. And like I was telling coach before we started, it's like, you, you watch this game, you're like, oh, like, you know, Henderson, like Anderson has a couple big threes. Like, oh, Bailey's on fire. Like, you know, Nova's playing well. You, you look up, you're like, oh, Cheney has 28 points. It's yeah. like, I, I didn't even Smooth. notice he was like having a good game. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, yeah. He, I mean, the dude is really, really good. Um, by the way, like, you know, screw you, Walt. Like, why aren't we talking about him going pro? Like, I mean, I know, oh, no, Neil's good, but it's like, I, I, I hope he comes back. Like, I really, if, if Cheney could come back, this team could really do something special. I hope everyone stays healthy and Alan Henderson doesn't get injured. But a lot of good things could happen with this team. But, no, I mean, Cheney Jared is Jared Morris just so died inside after so you said that. Good. I know. It's, it's. Hey, well, ah! we're going to talk a lot more about Calvert Cheney uh, coming up as uh, yeah. we continue here. Um our breakdown of Indiana's victory over the LSU Tigers uh, in the 1992 uh, second round. I will point out the meaningful moment you might have missed, and we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hi. This is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. You're listening to The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips and 
guest, Scott Caulfield from Crimson Cast, and we are breaking down Indiana's win over LSU uh, tonight in the second round of the 1992 NCAA tournament. It's time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, I'm gonna. There's several. Um, I'm gonna point out this one. Uh, we've already talked about Jamal Meeks, so we don't have to talk a lot about it. But Indiana was starting to make a comeback, and they got back to within six or seven. And and Shaq got a rebound underneath, and he went to go back up, and Jamal Meeks was underneath there. Stuck his hand out, got a steal, and, and the break was started for Indiana. And Indiana was able to um, even shorten the lead. Um, it, I think LSU was up at that time, 27-21, and Indiana was making their comeback. Those are little things that you see. That's an easy basket if Shaq just goes up. He's just going to go up and score. And for Meeks to stick his hand in there and get that steal, I thought that was a, uh, an important moment. And I thought Indiana did a lot of those things defensively with deflections, that awful word, and charges uh, taken at key moments of the game for a meaningful moment. Scott, a, a meaningful moment uh, that uh, you thought uh, someone might have missed during the game tonight. I would say, you know, I don't want to steal one of them, but, you know, Damon Bailey's three at when in the second half, the game gets tied 42, 47, 47. Shaq is like, he, my notes are Shaq is heating up. Like Shaq is starting to post up to your point, coach. He's hitting both sides of the lane. They're starting to find him. Um, and then at that point he hits a three, which gets us back to the lead. I think that's kind of that point in the game, middle, late, you know, eight minutes to go in the second half where if they get a lead and they start kind of pushing on, um, I still think we win because we have the leadership, but they would have gotten a little bit tighter and a little bit tougher, especially with Shaq shooting free throws the way he did. Bailey hit another huge three later in the game um, at 73-70, but I think that three at 47-47 um, was huge. His first shot of the game. So I, I would pick that one because maybe people might have missed it at that point in the middle of the second half. Ryan? Yeah, I think that this just gets missed in a game because, you know, it's sort of downtime in a game, but Indiana was 23 to 26 from the free throw line. I mean, that that's huge. And those points add up, especially when Shaq's hitting 12 of 12 uh, and especially late. I thought they really stepped to the line and hit their free throws. And, and you know, when LSU was trying to foul and, and maybe make a run back and, you know, with the way they shot early, they were certainly capable of making a comeback. If you're not going to make your free throws and extend that lead, uh, they're certainly capable of, of knocking down some shots and making it uncomfortable. And in the end, didn't do that, stuck to it, and and uh, made their made their free throws at the line. So 23 to 26 was big, and I'm, nine of nine from Calvert too. I'm going to you know, bring when up. He got to the line. He, yeah. he finished. I'm going to bring up a couple of moments that uh, I think people saw and probably will remember, but they're very yeah. meaningful moments. Uh, I think it was right around, uh, I think I have it written down, 10-19. Calbert Chaney uh, gets the ball in the lane. His back is to the basket, and he goes up and flips it over his head, over Shaq uh, for two. That that is just just a big-time play. Um, And Scott was talking about Chaney, so maybe now is our time to even talk more about the the great game that Calbert Chaney had. And then even more so, uh, Bailey hits that second three. And Indiana's up um, six. Shaquille uh, gets a, a basket. It's back to four, 74, uh, 70, or 76, 72. And then uh, Cheney goes right at Shaquille O'Neal again in the lane, splits two, and gets an and one. And now Indiana's back up seven. And that was just enough breathing room after uh, the lead narrowed down to three. Um, so that play by Calvert, the play at 10 minutes, just really good. Not only shooting is he silky smooth, but he wasn't afraid, even after getting blocked once or twice by Shaquille, to take it at him uh, in key moments. And and so I thought those were very meaningful moments from Calbert Cheney. 
I got one other one. We mentioned, you know, Bob Knight's ability to change the defense. I'll take kind of flip this around a little bit. I thought an interesting, meaningful moment was, I mean, it's funny. You listen to this broadcast and they are just crushing Dale Brown. Like it starts in the first half. From the opening tip. Yeah, I know. And then, then they, they, and they, they're, they can't even get to half. They, they're too busy talking about like the Knights comments and they, they go to halftime and they go to halftime, which is great. It's like Mike Frances is there. Frances is crushing them. They come back, they crush him like all the second half. But I will say at near the end of the game, um, it's like 79, 72, LSU switches to man-to-man and actually looks like they're kind of screwing up our offense. Like, we look yeah. – we're trying to hold the ball and pump fake, but it's like we're, we're – and again, like, I know it was like one possession, so it's not – you know, over time it would have looked good, but I would say a meaningful moment is maybe Dale Brown not being a great coach tonight and never changing out of that 2-3 zone all game. Like, the the one time they did it, I'm like, oh, God, like, thank God we're, we're already up 81, you know, 72, because, like, we don't look like we're ready to handle this kind of pace. And if they were doing that with transition and getting Shaq posted up early in offensive set, like, maybe they have a better shot at winning. But, yeah, I, I was shocked that he never tried moving out of the 2-3 zone at any time during the game because it worked so well in that last possession. It, Ryan, I mean, crazy. why was that zone was, so bad? It, it was because they weren't executing it correctly. And, and because, look, there are ways to beat a zone. You beat a zone in the middle, and you beat a zone on the outside. And, and with Indiana's ability to knock down... Hey, can, you, can you write that down? I feel like at some point in 2013, we're going to need that information. So can you please write that down somewhere Seriously. in Assembly Hall, like on a notepad or yeah, something? I'll just spray paint it on the wall. It's, it's like, it is unbelievable that they didn't change their defense when it was clear it wasn't working in Indiana. You know, the way you beat a zone, a, you shoot over it or B you attack the middle. And when you attack the middle, the zone collapses and you can hit the, the baselines or the wings. It will get wide open looks. And if you're knocking down those shots, you're going to destroy that zone. I mean, it's that stuff you learn in the first day of high school basketball is go to the high post Everybody collapses to the ball then, and you kick it to the sides. I mean, that's I'm sure watching that zone offense from Indiana, I'm sure Coach was absolutely loving it. Back well, then. Uh, <laughs> but it's yeah. but you know it's it, it, it's it's a very simple way to attack zone. And when you're getting beat on it constantly, either a you switch from a two three to a three two, uh, so your guard you, so your wings can drop down further, or you change the uh, or you change to man to man and you attack the ball ball handler and allow Shaq to basically float in the middle of the of the court as your rim protector you do one of those two things you have to you cannot sit there and get beat by short corner jumpers all night or by you know middle of the paint jumpers uh, indiana was too good a shooting team for lsu to stick in this that long and it was a gift that indiana got that when they started beating this, LSU did not adjust. There was no timeout. All right, we're going to man-to-man. We'll run this man-to-man for five minutes, see what happens. If it doesn't work, we'll go back to zone, you know, whatever. And and I just thought it was a really poor – I mean, I, I, I hate to pile on Dale Brown. God knows he's a Hall of Famer. But it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, I you watching this unfold, and it's like watching a train wreck because you know exactly what you need to do to fix it, and that's – you know, get the other train off the tracks and, and, and you can fix it. But instead he just kept going and it, and it, it, I don't know, it was insane. And, and, and Indiana just abused it all night. The Indiana's ability to hit shots was, tr- was tremendous tonight. Just, you know, uh, whether that it be won on the, the baseline, the, the nice little yeah. move where uh, Cheney was um, 
flashing middle, and then he just cut to the uh, weak side elbow and got a pass from, I believe, Meeks and hit a 15-footer right at the free throw elbow with no one within any uh, any space around him. But their, their ability to shoot the basketball uh, was, was really important. And that's probably how you got to beat a, a guy like Shaquille when he's hanging around the basket and swatting shots and changing changing shots down low uh, is, is to be able to hit shots. So those are some meaningful moments. It's now time to go inside the numbers and uh, pick out some a few key stats. Um, we talked free throw shooting for Indiana. How about the free throw shooting uh, for LSU with Shaquille O'Neal 12 for 12 coming into the game 50% on the season, you you would think that that would be, uh, as we mentioned earlier, a, a better strategy. And then I just thought uh, I'd like to, again, go back and, and just talk a little bit more specifically about Calbert. Uh, we look up and he has 30. Uh, and you know when Shaq gets his 30-plus points because they're throwing it in and fouls called, but yeah. um, Calbert was inside, free throw line, three-point shot, uh, shot fake, uh, just a, a great all-around effort by Calbert Chaney to score 30 points and lead Indiana tonight. Well, and he shot one from five from three. I yeah. mean, he left. I mean, he had a great game, but he still left points on the table. I mean, I think for the season, he's he's been a. I only have you know 85 tabs open on. Uh, I'm I'm using something called the internet. I don't know how long we can keep the 93 thing going. Um, but he shot you know 38 percent from three all year, and so he was one for five. I mean, he probably could have had 36 points. Two of those rimmed out, too. They're actually pretty good yeah. shots. No, what I thought was interesting about Calvert versus Shaq, if you're going to compare those two and their games, which, I mean, you can. They were the two best players on the floor, was that it felt like Shaq was the offense for LSU, whereas Calvert was getting his yeah. offense through the offense as, like, a, a part point. of the yeah. offense. You know, it was a, you know, he was attacking when he had a chance to attack in a position to attack, it wasn't, he caught the ball and then went to work. It was, he was getting the ball in a chance to score and went up. And, and I felt like Indiana really worked as a cohesive unit. I mean, that offense was run very well and guys were attacking when they had the chance to attack. And you didn't see a whole lot of forcing except for a few three point shots. You really didn't see a whole lot of forcing shots in this game. And, and I thought that was really impressive. I thought Bailey, uh, the two threes that he missed. Yeah. I mean, he's Damon Bailey, so you're fine with him taking them. But I thought that two of the, the two of the threes that he shot were just. Mm, there's nobody that close to me. Let me just shoot it, you know. And it wasn't like the perfect time in the offense to do it. Um, so I, I really think that was the dichotomy of what was going on offensively with these two teams. Um, and, and and coach, to your point about the free throws. Uh, uh, for LSU, Shaq was 12 of 12. As a team, they were 12 of 13. Only one other player shot a free throw. That was really impressive in the end, not to foul yeah, shooters. Don't give them that extra chance to get a, to get a bucket. Don't foul a three-point shooter. Don't foul a guy on a bad, you know, off-balance layup. That kind of stuff, really important to keep in the check, especially when a team is struggling offensively other than one player. Don't give them a chance to get right. Any other stats that stick out to, to either of you um, that – helped Indiana tonight. Um, Indiana got out rebounded only by three. I thought that was somewhat important with the size of, of the front line of, of LSU. I thought they did a nice job battling inside on the boards. Uh, but I thought it was an all around effort, um, by, by Indiana on both ends of the floor, uh, to methodically pull ahead and, and get the victory. Also thought it was interesting, you know, a stat that surprised me. Only three offensive rebounds for Indiana in the entire game. I know you're going up against Shaq, but you figure just some bad bounces will go your ways and you'll find one. But uh, Allen Henderson had two and Calvert Cheney had one, and that was it. So it was really important for them to defend their own glass. And 
uh, you know, how, or I mean, LSU had a, had a decent number of offensive rebounds, but Indiana minimized those, those uh, second chance opportunities pretty well. I thought. We're, we're going to can we just, can we just marvel? Can we just marvel at Shaq's line? I mean, he was 12 <laughs> of 18, uh, 12 of 12 from the free throw line, 36 points, five blocks, 12 rebounds and assist and two steals. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think, he, yeah, I think he's, he's he, going to be he's, all right. He's not bad. Maybe, maybe he should go pro. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. We're going to talk a little bit more about our game balls, uh, and some other just takes, um, about this game after uh, this break. So coming up on uh, the assembly call, we'll we'll hand out those game balls. Um, what uh, aged best and worst from this game, and then um, try to put it in proper historical context. That's all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thanks, Tim. You're listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night. And these game rewatches here for the next two weeks. You can follow us on our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for the free IU Hoops email newsletter over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips and Scott uh, Caulfield, and we are definitely out of uh, our bit when we're talking about the internet and texting from a game in 1992. (laughs) Uh, As I'm, uh, you know, four months away from getting married, uh, with a full head of hair, uh, but so that that was a fun couple segments. I'm proud of us for sticking in in that for these two segments. So now we're gonna what, okay, Scott. Hold on, I gotta ask Scott, what were you doing in 1992 when this was going on? 92, I was in high school in Bloomington, Bloomington South. Wow. Um, so this was the spring of 92. Yeah, I was um a- a- ending my freshman year um at Bloomington South. I was in sixth grade and I watched this game. Which is funny, out in San Diego, watch this game because we were all we were all obsessed with Shaq, and obviously yeah. we all knew who Calvert was. We knew who Dama Bailey was, and you know all the names and all that. Uh, so I was at a friend's house. We ordered pizza and watched this game. And I watched uh, the game with my dad in our living room. I remember that I whole was, run uh, through, through yep. UCLA. I was at a a um, shower, wedding shower, couple shower, watching this game in the basement of some people that I never knew, and. Um, I, had the, I, I will say this. I will say this on on the radio or on the podcast, but I, I I will not go into detail. One of the most epic stories of my life happened that day, besides Indiana winning, and so uh, that'll be shared um, off air with all of you at some point. But uh, when, when <laughs> thank you when I was set to uh, be on this show and I played it back and I started having those memories, I I, I kind of got a couple uh, chuckles. But let's get back to the game action. Uh, game balls, Ryan. Who gets your game ball for tonight's uh, victory uh, by the uh, Indiana Hoosiers? Well, I can't give it to Shaq. So I'm no. It's of course Calvert Cheney. It's Calvert Cheney. He, he. I mean, he just. I thought some other guys had some really key games. You could give it to Allen Henderson for what he did in the first half. You really could. Uh, him stepping up and knocking down shots was enormous. You could give it. You could give it to the the two captains if you wanted Meeks and and uh, 
and Anderson for them stepping up in that key moment. But Calvert was just so good. And he was, I mean, there were in the second half, he got into such a rhythm where he was just attacking Shaq. And you're just like, it's almost like when he started to make a movie, like, what are you doing? And then boom, you go right by him and, and score. And so, you know, 30 points for Calvert, uh, eight rebounds. He was 10 of 18 from the field, nine of 13 on twos. I mean, you know, that's where you think you'd struggle in this game with, with Shaq down there in the post, but hit those and then hit not all nine of his free throws. And, and, you know, what just, I mean, God, that guy is such a sweet shot. Like he just did everything about his game was so smooth and he was the perfect college basketball player. Like he really was decent size, could shoot it, could play inside out, grabbed rebounds, hustled, played hard, all of it. And, and to get 30 points in 38 minutes, attacking a monster like Shaq consistently, uh, just fantastic game for Calvert. Scott, who gets your game ball? Um, I want to go back in time and go ahead of Ryan so I can take Calvert too. Um, <laughs> no, I will. Um, I, I will. You I mean, it's you're allowed to agree. You know, yeah, agree. I'll, I'll agree. No, no. I mean, the answer is Calvert. I will give, you know, a, a full-size game ball to Calvert. The mini-size basketball, I, I would give it to Alan Henderson. I mean, Henderson yeah. also had a great game, 8 for 14 from the field. Um, he, he doesn't. He isn't able to move the. I was, I was honestly surprised watching how much Calvert played outside the three. Like yeah. Calvert played as a guard half the game. You know, Henderson was your prototypical power forward, but he also was never scared of Shaq. Like he attacked Shaq. He was cutting the lane. Um, you know, so and he was a I freshman too. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So, you know, I would say mini game ball to Allen, but I mean, this is Calvert Chaney is just a great game. It's, and even what watching it, knowing he's going to have 30, I'm still like, how did he get 30? Like, like, goddamn, he never had a moment. Like, he ne- the, the game just flowed through him. He was such a good player. I think it's pretty obvious that Calvert Chaney gets the game ball for, for tonight. There's so many uh, people, uh, players that contributed tonight, and we've mentioned almost all of them. But you also have to give a, a, a big game ball or a game ball, whatever, clipboard or whatever, to Coach Knight. Um his ability to teach offense was really evident here because while there were some actions that were put in and, and some designs, they, they ran a couple, two guys at the block once, um, but it was more just where players came from. But you could tell that uh, Indiana was taught how to penetrate gaps, how to take a defender away from his zone defense and throw back against it, um, shot fakes, good fundamentals. Uh, and then, also for Coach Knight defensively to just mess with uh, LSU enough to get the victory, it's hard to stop a guy like Shaq. But I thought in a two-day turnaround, uh, Coach Knight uh, put in a, a really good game plan both offensively and, and defensively um, for for your Indiana Hoosiers. So officially, Calbert Chaney with the game ball. Uh, isn't it nice, fellas, to, to, to watch a game and everyone does their role? Like Meeks and Reynolds weren't supposed to shoot. And, yeah. and Meeks takes uh, two shots, one in the lane he missed and one three, but he hits that three. Uh, and he wasn't trying to be anything but Jamal Meeks and what he could do for the Indiana Hoosiers. And you could say that for all of the guys who played, they came in and they played their role uh, and, and they, they did a, a great job. That, that's just fun to watch. Uh, and that's, yeah. again, what Indiana basketball is about. Yeah, it was just a group of guys who had defined roles and either played to or exceeded them. I think other than Greg Graham, I would say that everybody had a pretty good game. I mean, at least, you know, a a decent showing. Graham obviously had an off game, but that happens, you know, but I I just feel like everybody did exactly what they were supposed to do and played smart, intelligent basketball and stuck with the game plan. 
how many times have we wanted to see that in the last few years? I mean, going, you know, yeah, the last yeah. 20 years, really, of, of just going into a game and consistently, now you get times where that happens, but you feel like those are exceptions to the rule. And it's it's really interesting to see just a bunch of high IQ basketball players doing exactly what they need to do and selflessly doing it. They weren't, you know, all trying to attack on their own to make something happen. They were willing to pass the ball, willing to give it up, knowing that this was the way to beat the team they were playing. And, and I just thought it was, it was really fun to watch sort of a methodical, intelligent attack. And then defensively, a methodical, intelligent approach to the way you're guarding Shaq and the way you're guarding the rest of these guys. It was, it was a fun, fun game to watch. No, it was nice to see us be the team that was composed and not making a bunch yes. of mistakes and watching and waiting for another team like LSU to just make their mistakes. Like honestly, you know, we didn't start attacking the wing the 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 wing spots until LSU kind of started started cheating. And it's like it was great to see. It's like, hey, they're cheating there. We're just going to start going there and start shooting there. And then when they they make went them back, stop us, we, yeah. right? We started attacking the middle of the zone. Like we just whatever they gave us, we took, and it was it was fun to see. I mean, yeah. We should bring Coach Knight back. <laughs> All right, so we got a few more things to to talk about tonight, Scott. This is going to come back to you. What about that court? Okay, so can we do it's best yours, and, best baby? And worst? It's like, all yours. Go, yeah. go with it. I, I got a bunch of best and worst. I mean, first off, like the court's great. Like I love this. Is you know, Ryan, we're a little bit older. Like I, this is the way I remember. I love when yeah. they had the courts. When you watch, and what was great about it is you'd watch these tournaments. And you'd watch like these sites and like, uh, uh, you know, uh, there'd be an upset. And, like, oh, yeah, I remember it's that court. And it's like courts would get hot like blackjack tables. Like you'd be like, yep. oh, yeah, like, the Boise State court. Like it's hot this time. Like, you know, they're going down. And first off, this court also sucks because I think this is the court where we lost to Missouri, who then Missouri lost to Tyus Edney and the UCLA team where he goes like coast to coast when they were defending champs. I watched that one this while also- it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just I miss the courts. I miss like this is the, the most iconic of those courts. Like I miss the fact the original courts are not there. Um, sorry, coach, I'm taking over. The the other right. best things from this I, I best and worst from this game, the CBS music. There was that that stretch from like 85 to 92. The next year they went to like a weird digitized version of the song. That CBS basketball music was great. I was surprised there were so many more threes in this game. Like three and D was like. A lot of threes were taken. I love Mike Francesa at halftime. Um, that was just a great, like, dude, it's like Mike the Mad Dog. Like, I had no By idea. Way, how funny was it? You turn it on, and I had no idea who was going to be broadcasting it. It's Sean McDonough and Luke <laughs> Bill Walton. Walton. By the way, or Bill, Bill Walton. Walton yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Luke. I, I knew Luke. Uh, Bill Walton. And, and, and McDonough is like, by the way, he's still one of the best professional broadcasters. And Bill is like a sideshow now that everybody either loves or hates to watch. This was... 30 years ago. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's so funny that like, it's like those six guys years are still after doing it. Walton retired. Like this is yeah. not that long after he retired. Yeah. Um, but the, the last thing that aged the best for me. Oh, go ahead. Good. I, I'm going to say about Bill Walton. He, I'm not sure everything he said was really good, but his commentary was okay. He goes off on these tangents now uh, on these games. It's been I, long. I like him, but a lot of people don't yeah. like him, but I thought he really was a commentator. Uh, whether he, you know, Shaq going pro or not is the right thing to say, but I thought he had some really good things to say about the game flow and how the zone was collapsing in. And I thought he really added something to the broadcast. When I first heard Walton, I thought, okay, we're going to hear about his bike. Uh, we're going to hear about, you know, all this stuff that he does now. (laughs) The man's lived a hard 30 years. Absolutely. There's a lot of stuff. I tune in now to live vicariously through Walton because, you know, I was a goody two shoes, if you believe that. Um, 
and now I, to hear all his crazy stories, I don't tune in for basketball. Uh, but he, I thought he, he surprised me with uh, his ability to talk basketball on this broadcast. Go ahead, Scott. So what else? Scott, well, hold on. I got I to gotta say, because you have been bringing this up, and I mean, Coach brought it up too, of course, off the top, was the Dale Brown thing. Just so people know, Dale Brown is a college basketball Hall of Famer uh, who took uh, LSU to two final fours. They won four sec regular season titles and sec tournament title. He's a four time sec coach of the year. And the whole program was just dumping on what a horrible coach he was. That was it was the whole odd. point of the broadcast. Like yeah, I know the, was, the broadcast was like, it, it's almost like Dale Brown stiffed them all like on a dinner, like that he yeah, went to dinner with them the night like. before was like, just left without paying the bill. Uh, because like, I have a list of things that, that did not age well, Go ahead. Uh, but we'll get to, but like, no, no, that was one of them is that like, it's so unjust. It's so jarring because today all the broadcasters just kissing every coach's ass. Yes. Like, oh man, this guy's great. Like, you know, you got Vitalik. Hey, Petito should get a job. Why don't you look at you know getting Petito back? It's like, all right, man. The guy just you know banged the chick on a salad bar. But you know, you got like they're just crushing Dale Brown for like the entire game. It's like the whole pre-production meeting was like, hey, they got Shaq. They never talked about Cheney. And then it's just like, hey, Dale Brown's like the worst coach has ever come out. Let's just crush that. And um, then they brought up every but, time he did anything, like I wouldn't have done that. It's like, well, I know. Like the minute, I mean, honestly, he took Shaq out after five minutes. Like Shaq was dragging the whole team. It's like, yeah, you got to rest Shaq at some point. Like took, they're just like, that was awful. They go to halftime. Francis like, why take him out? Like everyone, it's like everyone has in their ear. Like everything he does is awful. It's how about, great. How about Billy Packer, who I think's bad too, but Billy Packer saying he made the same mistake in 1981 against Indiana when he took <laughs> out know. a player. <laughs> I'm like Shaquille O'Neal was out for one offensive possession of Indiana. Meeks hit a three. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't like they scored inside. You know, one possession yeah. at the eleven minute mark, and, and then they like, got him right way, back in. Shaq's drag, I know. Shaq's, dra- Shaq's dragging a two hundred and ninety pound like body up and down the ground. He's gonna need to sit at some point. Like I just, on on Shaq, the last thing that I have that's really that's really great about this game is Ryan. You mentioned it earlier before we started, dude. This is two thirds of blue chips. Like all you need is Anthony Harper. You got Neon Baudreau. You got Ricky Rowe. You by the way have Cheney, who's like the the bad dude of the IU yes. Knights team. Which let's not talk about Bobby Hurley being the point guard on that team. But um, like this is half of blue chips. And by the way, Jared, I know you're out there. Like we're going to keep this going. I have to do the blue chips rewatchable version of this. Like we've got to do a blue chips one because there's so much good (laughs) stuff in there. What the funniest thing is, is that like the funniest thing. Oh, do we have to go coach? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Not even One of the funniest things about it. Just lost control. It's right. It's right. He's done. done. The one of the funniest (laughs) things. One of the funniest things about that uh, is the IU players who were on IU in blue chips were Eric Anderson, Calvert Chaney, Keith Smart, Greg Graham, and then Bobby Hurley were all in blue chips. They just didn't have like big roles. It's like, it's hilarious when you think about it. And then they, they took Matt Nover off the IU team and put him on the other team. Like, oh, it was so nice. I know. Hey, here's, yeah, a, here's half a story. Of blue chips is this game right here. The Frankfurt gym, uh, Case Arena. Uh, I have coached several games in there as an assistant, uh, won a sectional title in there with the Lebanon Tigers when I was a coach, uh, assistant coach at Lebanon. Um, and Western has played there and won the last two regular season games in Case Arena. It's always awesome to go in there and coach and play and under the tunnels and 
all of that, and, and not just because it's a great high school gym first and foremost, but because of the movie Blue Chips uh, yeah. being filmed there, it's also pretty cool to go back and you pull up and you see it, it looks like a college uh, yep. place. So it's a great place to take high school kids to play and watch a game. The thing that I love about Blue Chips, not to step on our future Blue Chips podcast, but there, there's a scene in that final game where, like, it's supposed to be in, you know, Southern California. It's like California State or something. Yeah. And, like, but behind the bench of the California team of whatever, you know, the, the Western, sorry, Western team is a guy. And so it was obviously shot in Indiana, like it was filmed there. Yeah. There's a guy wearing an Indiana bucket, like, oak old oak and bucket t-shirt and i'm like first off like why did somebody from production pull him because like in the movie why on earth would i guess like it's somebody who's a big indiana fan who flew out there but if you're yeah yeah, they traveled but if if i'm traveling to western to watch indiana play a first round game like i'm wearing my iu basketball shirt i'm not wearing my old oak and bucket shirt like it's just it's a great little piece that i've I've always loved about that movie yeah it's that movie like it's so fun but it's such a mess. <laughs> like there's so yeah. many scenes that are just like so hilarious, but it's, you know, I, I don't know. I love, so, I love that movie. I watch it anytime it's on. All right. So, so can I got get some more things that on your list that I got some bad things from this game. Okay. B- badly. So we are recording this on March 22nd. We are in the midst of a coronavirus scare, which is a real serious problem. So I'm not trying to make light of anything, but I will say Beginning of the game, they go to Andrea, Andrea Joyce for the only time in the game. They're talking about how Singletary like had a virus, a viral, like a, had a virus the night before, and he had to be taken to the hospital for um, uh, IVs. And I'm thinking to myself, like under today, like just watch this right now. It's the weirdest time to watch. It. I'm like, oh my god, he's got the virus. Like he's got coronavirus. My, girl, like, my it's girlfriend like, perked up and looked at me when that happened. I'm like, this is years ago. Don't worry. It's right. So there's there's that. Um, it was jarring, jarring, not having a score or a shot, a, a yes. clock on the game. I'm taking notes like 72, 74, because like, I don't know when they're going to show the score again. Like, it's just, that was a great thing. I was also shocked how many long twos there were. Yep. This is just Mid-range jumpers, man. Yeah, luckily it was mostly LSU, not uh, not IU, but like Singletary and Caesar took a bunch of long twos. Um, well, to that point, to, to that point, we got to get the Keystone good, uh, light. But let me get back to that point about the long twos. This was, what, the fifth year of the three-point shot. And the coach's philosophies yeah. of the layup or the three only is starting to develop. And you're starting to see teams probably in 92, 93 do that. But some of the leftover coaching and stuff is just taking shots. Uh, you know, right now yeah. in this day, it's either a three or it's a, a, a layup or a dunk at the basket. Anything else is is really not – warranted in the game today but you see some of that in these 91 92 93 when you go back and watch some of that mid-range game is still left over uh because of of the new strategy and now to the halftime sponsor scott keystone light keystone light there you go i mean that, that's classy. a solid that, that's Always seriously classy. classy yeah that's great i mean the last thing that hasn't aged well um is no i mean we, we mentioned the bill walton thing it's just great bill why i literally laughed out loud when they're like you think you should come back and he's like of course you should come back to college it's like of course you're wrong he bill still walton. has stuff to work on like <laughs> yeah, it's like no he doesn't but pat graham sweaters like the sweater like you guys oh, have yeah, the chat mob great. like the sweater the sweater mob should be something that started up on on twitter like his sweater um so there's somebody else like brian uh, evans a coach you picked it up. brian brian evans, evans yeah, his sweater, I mean, it is just 
horrendous. That is like that is ninety three. Like it's so on brand for ninety three. Like that was ninety three. Having lived through it, like those things were hot in ninety three. But wow, it does not age well. Yeah, I was probably wearing one of those sweaters. So what, was at this, that what was the date of the party I was at? What was the date of this game? Does anybody know uh, what the date of this game? March twenty first, twenty second. Nope. Yeah, there was snow wherever it was wherever it was being taped from. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try and figure Scott, out. Scott, I do song I do want to under point. I do want to know why the 16 year old lit up when Keystone Light was was you know being played at halftime. The 16 year old <laughs> Scott seemed to be really excited about the uh, the Keystone Light. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, I was I was more into Zima in high school. Actually, okay, I hate to I hate good. to admit it. Um, so, no, I'm just I'm just. It's just such a bad beer to be sponsoring halftime at NCAA game. It was just like, and like Oldsmobile, it's just like these brands like, oh yeah, you guys used to be companies that are now out of business. Way to go. Yeah. I wonder why that happened. Then... <laughs> you, had, you had bad products. Yeah. Ryan, did anything age well or bad? Um, well, for you? so March 21st, 1992, the number one song in the country was. Oh, oh, I want to guess. I want to guess. Oh my God. Um, was it 92? 92, uh, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. No, it was Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. I never got ah, All right. And then it became Jump by Chris Cross after that. So, <laughs> And then a couple about, we were about three months away from Baby Got Back by Sir Mix a lot. There we go. Side, side note on Jump, like every if you ever want to be like a recording artist you should make a song with like jump or something so like when they like van halen jump 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 that's all they play when there's a jump ball at an nba game it's like you you just need to make a jump song and you're like you're in for good like someone needs to remake like a we are the champions because you can get that played all the time too all right you gone completely off the rails coach are you okay yes we are completely absolutely coach bring bring us back man no there is no bringing it back I, I'm this searching is why you for the next, one, not me. I'm searching for the next great question to get you guys going here. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, historical context. Indiana goes to Sweet 16. Three years, what? Uh, three out of four years, I think, is um, what they had at this time. Went to the uh, Elite Eight, uh, would defeat UCLA to go to the Final Four, where they end up losing to Duke, uh, 81 to uh, 78, uh, and. Uh, not so happy with Ted Valentine in that game, if if uh, we remember Shocking right. That Ted but, Valentine um, had something bad to do with the game. Just just general thoughts of the overall game, um, and also just this um, this rewatch stuff as uh, we we get our shot here before we pass it off to some other crew members for uh, next Friday. I it, it was a blast. I uh, loved hanging out with you guys on this one. Uh, it's. And the, obviously, I've been following the chat mob the whole time. You guys are hilarious about this as well. Uh, I think that, you know, it's fun to look back at different eras of basketball, um, even if it's not an IU game. I mean, obviously, it's fun to watch, rewatch an IU game. And, and this is a game that I watched as a kid as a neutral observer, obviously. I'd never gone to Indiana. I'd never been to Indiana. Uh, and then, uh, you know, when I went to IU in 2003, it was obviously a different era of basketball. So it's really cool to go back and, and look as a – a kid who played the way I did in Southern California, I always enjoyed watching Indiana play because of the, you know, high basketball IQ, the ability to, you know, break down a game and attack it and figure out the ways to attack. Uh, it was always fascinating to me the way that they seem to always have the right idea of what to do. And, and that you saw that this was the epitome of that from a Bob Knight team. And obviously they had a superstar in Calvert. They had an emerging star in Allen Anderson, but, this was a team effort and, and everybody was involved on every level and you faced 
this Goliath on the other end and figured out a way to not neutralize him, not shut him down, but a way to win despite his greatness. And I think that's the epitome of what Indiana has always been is just this smart team that can go up against anyone, any individual player and make it exceptionally difficult for them to do what they want to do. And, you know, that's, that's sort of in the aura of Indiana basketball. And I just thought that this was really fun to watch a team that, by the way, with that roster and especially with the roster they had the next year was certainly championship quality and just watching them work was a lot of fun. It was a great way to spend a couple hours. Yeah. Well, gonna, I, I want to again, just for a, Oh, go ahead. I, I'm just going to throw this to you and then you could take it any way you want, but Ryan mentioned roster, and I think this roster was, you know, they only played eight guys, uh, had had a guy hurt, and Brian Evans uh, redshirting. Um, but roster matters a lot in college basketball, and and hopefully Indiana basketball is getting back to a roster that has some capabilities of doing something. And it's good to remember some IU teams with decent rosters. As we mentioned, everyone came in and did their role. Um, so in comparing, you know, this team can't be compared to what we've been seeing lately. It's, that's just not even close. But how close are we to – and do we need to get back to this uh, as quickly as possible? Um, can we get back to that? Is it possible uh, for Indiana to get back to something that we see um, here uh, in the 1992, 93, and so forth, in your, in your opinion, Scott? Uh, yes, we need to get – yes, we need to be back here immediately. Um, but I, I just – so I'll answer that question with a yes, and I'm just going to take a turn. Like, I want to go back to the original question on just kind of historical prep, uh, precedent of this game. I saw in the chat, Mom, Andy Stump mentioned something about how – um, you know, it's a travesty. This team didn't win a title. I wouldn't say travesty, but it does. You know, this is something on one of our Crimson Cast podcasts that I wasn't on, but Galen did a really good podcast about kind of the historical, I think with IU artifacts, the historical, just kind of IU history, kind of how we got to where we are now. Um, and the thing that is is interesting is, you know, IU is not like North Carolina or Duke. Like we're in blue blood, but we're a little bit more like UCLA. We kind of go up and down. Even in the night years, you had like the the early seventy, the mid seventy run, and then there was a bit of a lull, and then a, a short one. But then you have eighty one, then there's a lull, and then you have the eighty seven. And and you know where I look at this as I look back on this era, like wh- what sucks about it is this era was another uptick. You had the kind of Cheney, Greg Graham years. And the fact they only made one final four, to me, that's the travesty. Like I'm, I'm with Andy stuff. Like they should have won a title. They probably do in 93 if Henderson doesn't get hurt. Um, but we don't know. But the fact they only made you know, titles are still tough because like, you know, shit happens and it's not, you know, you never know. Sorry. Um, but you know, stuff, I, so, um, you stuff have to happens. have so much, you have to have so much yeah. luck to win a national title. You really do. And we right. See it all every year, but, the fact they never got to a final four or they only got the one with this team is kind of, kind of stinks. Um, you know, they, they got about as close to the elite eight, but then it's like, if, if this team wins a title, let's say they go back to back final fours, maybe they go three straight final fours in this period. I think Knight gets a little more breathing room because then he does take a bit of a lull, which kind of sucked. Cause that's exactly when I went to college it was 96 to 2000 where it's like, Hey, we're not doing great. Um, you know, maybe just because I always feel like, and I don't want to get into this, Gail and I have done this a million times, but it's like, you know, let's not go down the night firing road here. But, you know, if he doesn't get fired, like he's building that back up. You had Jared Jeffrey, Scott, you know, Sean May is going to come here. H- Haston stays one more year. Like, you can put this all together, um, you know, but it, it's like this was the group that was supposed to bring that next title and it just didn't happen. And it kind of sucked. And, you know, maybe the way to look at it too is like, all right, well, you know, we, 
you know, we, we got the 81 one, maybe that shouldn't have been a title team or 87 was a bit lucky, but it's like, you can look at 75 and be like, well, you know, uh, you know, we don't, May doesn't get hurt there. And we win that title. You know, we went back to back, we have back to back undefeated seasons with two titles. So I just look at this as like, it's just such a missed opportunity. Cause this, this was maybe one of the best teams since 76 that Knight had ever put together. Like everything was there. Everything was humming. Um, you had a great player in Shaney, but he wasn't like, didn't, he just distributed so well that it's like if he wins a title with this team um, either this year or the next year, I, I think th- the rest of everything plays out differently. Like it's just an alternate reality where you just now you have a night coach who's won four national titles at that time. He's now head and shoulders above everybody. So Shashevsky, if he wins this year, Shashevsky only has one, but if let's say, they don't win this year. He wins like shashevsky has got two. Like everyone's at two. You know, IU Knight has four. IU now has um, six national titles. We're like tied with Kentucky at that time. Like we're only behind you. Like everything changes, and that's what I look back on. This which sucks. Well, and think about like damn it. Think about what it does too. If you win that national title, you know that those lull years that came that you were talking about after you know when you were in college aren't going to be the same because that's going to help recruiting on a national level because right. you, you know, then when you make the final four, when you make the championship, people who don't normally see you, see you, you know, and, and experience what it's like, Oh, that's Indiana and ki- little kids become fans of that team and then follow them for their whole life. I mean, it's, it's a different story. I mean, now everybody's games are on national TV every night and yeah. it's, it's a different calculus. Back then, you made the Final Four. You could see the recruiting rankings the next year, or or just a list of recruits that you know players that went to those Final Four teams always jumped up. It was a huge benefit to you. Now, I mean, if you want to tune in to find an Indiana game, you can tune in to find an Indiana game every night. So it, it was a different calculus back then, and I agree with you. I think that, that things change certainly if if they win in '92 or '93. I think that you're you see better players in those kind of down years filling the roles that those teams were missing maybe and it gets a little easier and then I think that you know you have a smoother road to that next level of course as you said Jared Jeffries you know Sean May is likely there there's more guys I mean there's a there's a clear succession line there of guys who left the state of Indiana because in and and some guys sorry, I'm going to cut to you off it's, you mentioned Indiana it's really interesting with this team the other thing we haven't hit on of this team, there's only three guys who aren't from Indiana, two from Illinois yep. and one from Michigan and Lindemann's from Michigan. So it's like, yeah, but you know, the rest of the team is Indiana guys. Like it's Indiana to Illinois. You have Chris Reynolds from Illinois, Jamal Meeks is Illinois. Everyone else is Indiana. Uh, sorry. Eric Anderson is Chicago, but every, I mean, it's, this is region. Like this is the region. And that's the thing is what I was going to say. I was just about to say this is that, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm fine with you interrupting. Cause that's a great point because it actually feeds into what I was saying. The thing that started to happen in about 2000, 2000 and on is got the best players in the state of Indiana didn't necessarily yeah. stay in Indiana anymore. And if you get all those guys and nobody else, you just get those guys, your program's in a lot better footing than it is now. Yeah, so, you lose, or, or it you was during that. Montrose. And then I remember like, it was like every year, like, like a Jason, um, Oh God, he went to Arizona. Um, Gardner. Uh, Gardner, yeah, Jason Gardner, like he he had a run with it. Like everyone was having a run. They were like, oh, I'm from Indiana, like great, from Indiana. That, that that's been going on for 35 years now. But it's it's this is also like I look at this team too. Like this was kind of like the the first year with 
um, the team that beat Kentucky with the watch shot that had Verdell Jones. Like, this is kind of like, you're like, we're getting all these guys back. Like, we're going to get them back next year. Next year, we're really going to hum. Like, this was almost a year too early. It's like, all you're losing is Eric Anderson off this team. It's like, hey, we made the Final Four. Like, we're bringing everybody back. Like, now we're going to kick some real butt, you know, next year. And that team doesn't even get to the Final Four again, which is kind of bizarre. Because if I would have, if we would have done this for real, like in 92, I'd be like, all right, well, no matter what happens this year, we're, next year we're going to just do better than we did. Like anything you this year is about, like, yeah, moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Well, I it, mean, just, I it sucks that this is, the, this is the highlight of this group is this run. Yeah, yeah. It is a bummer. Um, but they were, damn, they were fun to watch, though. That was a really fun. I, I'm jealous of people who got to yeah. watch these guys, you know, all the time when they were, when they were around. Cause I didn't, and the tough thing was I, I got to watch this growing up, but it's like you, you took it. I don't say you took it for granted. You're like, Oh, we're going to be good all the time. Like, this is yeah. just, this is what you're used to. I expect to see this every year. And then it's like, it just kind of stopped. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Scott. It, it, it was great growing up and going to college and seeing that in, in the eighties for me. And you did take it for granted. Then all of a sudden in the last few years of night, when they were getting beat regularly in the first round, you were okay, but that was a little odd. And then all of a sudden, all the stuff after the coaching change, and it's just been you're you're grabbing for some of that uh, that was was so present for many many years. And watching a game like tonight, you just saw so many aspects of good basketball. You saw inside play, you saw wing play, you saw good point guards just distributing the basketball. You see collective rebounding, and those are all things that need to get back here to the program as soon as possible. And hopefully, the guys and coaches and all that are working that that way. But it's it's it needs to get here and then stay here because Indiana needs to be a Sweet 16 type team every year and bust out and get back to the Final Four and hang some more banners. That's who Indiana basketball <laughs> is. And nights like tonight remind us of that. Um, but but it was I, I made a, a, a tw- I think I tweeted once from the assembly call about the emotion uh, and the intensity the guys played with too. It, you could tell it was a together group. Yeah. Uh, they really played what? played well together, and that that helps them come off of a fourteen point deficit and they weren't pouting they weren't hanging their heads but that that collectiveness is what the the jersey indiana has meant in the past and what it was tonight and in tonight's win but uh to get back into bit but that's good to see and and boy we long for that that kind of stuff so bad you know what got me coach was how focused they were like they know you're right they always had an idea what they were doing where they were going and, you, you know, you saw a couple, like maybe two or three possessions against the zone where they passed the ball around the perimeter and maybe made a bad pass inside, but they were attack. They were in attack mode the entire time. And they just had a focused intensity about what they were trying to do and that they were going to accomplish it no matter what. And it, it was such a disconnect well, from today. And, yeah. and, you know, you hope you get back to that. You really when do. You combine- and, and I think there are. When you combine great coaching with skilled basketball players with great IQ and desire, then things happen on the basketball floor. And and it's happened in our university. It's happened at others as well. But when you see winning programs, it is talented players who understand the game and a coach who understands the game and puts people in the right positions to play. And then they just play freely Uh, up up eight, down 14, they play somewhat freely. And that's it's somewhat hard to understand when Knight's always barking at you and, and, and threatening the bench. But he got that respect, and, and, and those players were tough. Uh, and, and they played that way. And, and that, was, that was a good part of, of the win tonight because you get down 14 in a tournament game, man, that's tough uh, regardless of the amount of time left. So let's, let's preview so, a little so bit of what's – 
Coach, I have a question for you. Sure. The, the, as we look at as we look at this tournament, the the this year's tournament, um, you know, two two part question: If we would have gotten the number one seed in the Southeast Regional, um, that's the regional that Michigan came out of. Is that a better spot for us? And do, do you believe that it really was Ted Valentine, or do you just think Duke was a better team that year? Like, are we? Are, are is this team not beating Duke no matter where they meet him in the tournament? No. I- First of all, I think it was it ended up being okay because of the the just crazy defeat of UCLA. Uh, but you know you always want to be a one seed because that's yeah. going to be better in the way I think Michigan and Ohio State um, or whoever was in that um, there was a four and a six or something like that. Cincinnati, uh, I don't have the bracket up in front of me, but so that might have been easier. But Indiana did get to the final four. What might have been better is to play that second game on in the final four and get to the championship and play Duke in the championship but you give Knight a whole week to prepare do you want to do you want the tougher team with a week to prepare or with a day day to prepare um and and the bottom line when you get to the final four when you get to championship games those teams uh they're they're not flukes and so you know I'm very hesitant it's easy for me as an IU fan to say it was an official's fault or or Something else, but Duke. You know, I, I think it's fifty-fifty. Five times we play them, ten times we win five, and and they win five. It just happened to be they won on on that Saturday. Uh, maybe getting a little help from from some calls, uh, but so, um, you know, I, that that's that's just when you get to the final four, that's good basketball, and, and anyone who wins there, yeah, deserves it in my opinion. Again, you need luck to win a championship. You really do, and you yeah. need a team. You know, it's about. Running into good matchups, it's about running into you know maybe a team is off one week, maybe a team has an injury. All of that stuff you know plays into it, and um, you know you hope you run into a situation where both teams are at their best and you're better than them. But we know that's not always the case. I mean, you never know what's going to happen once that tournament starts, and I mean there are some times that you can telegraph what's going to happen as soon as the field is released. Like this team might be better than this team, they just don't match up well against them, you know, and it's. Um, so it's always interesting, but man, yeah, it's hard to look back and, and think, you know, cause I remember that Indiana Duke game, it was a crazy game and I, you know, it's hard to think like, could it have gone the other way? I mean, with some better officiating and, and maybe Indiana hits one more shot, you know, what yeah. does that change? And, it, and how does Indiana's- that change? From our point of view, we played chalk the whole way there. I mean, we, yeah. we won our first game, then we played the seven seed, we played the three seed, we played the one seed, and then we played Duke, who was probably the best team in the team, final think, four. Like, yeah. we, we had the tough – I mean, looking through it, like, we had the toughest road there. You know, I guess – I guess Michigan played – well, Michigan got Eastern Tennessee in the first round – in the second round. You know, Cincinnati didn't have to play Kansas in that bracket. They played UTEP, and then – well, Duke – you know, Duke is Duke. Um, they, they actually – they played they played the, the chalk all the way to it, too. But, I mean, like, it, it probably should have been Indiana-Duke in the finals. Yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a solid team. Those are the two that, best teams, it seemed like. Yep, yeah, for sure. Hey, well, coming I, up I will, on um, – I will say I was reading – wait, let me, let me just say one thing real quick before we sort of get to get to exit – the really interesting thing, I read the article about the game. I, I went back and found it in the archives, read the article about the game afterwards. And and Brown, LSU's coach, said they're going to win the national title. After he's like, I, I figured that whoever won this game would win the national title. So he didn't think anybody could stop Shaq. And he, and he's a bad coach. We can't trust he's him. He's a terrible See? coach. Can't trust him. But And, and Bob <laughs> Knight's response was, was he drunk? Like, like that was his response. <laughs> He's like, were his eyes glazed over when he said that? Like, 
Um, but no, Brown said he's like, that team is, re- is so put together. They're going to win the national championship. And so you guys aren't far off in your assessment of, of how good that Indiana team was. It's yeah. crazy. They didn't win the big 10. Like I, I know, I know faltered yeah. late. Hey, just real quick coming up on, um, assembly call. We have assembly call radio Thursday night, uh, Friday night at eight o'clock. IU Louisville, 1993 rewatch. Uh, and on uh, Sunday at 8 o'clock, IU versus Kent State, 2002 Elite Eight rewatch. Uh, details are at assemblycall.com backslash rewatch. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. Okay, guys, this has been a great show. I I just couldn't ask for better guys to be on this show. Last call. We'll go around the horn. Whatever you want to say, you can say. Scott, we'll start with you since you're you're our guest. Thoughts on the game? Uh, anything about Indiana basketball? It's yours. No, I just I first off, I want to thank you guys so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. blast. I I love the fact that we are doing this. Um, little inside baseball. I've been. I do the podcast Crimson Cast with Galen for like five years. I'm like, we should do something kind of like, like I've been kicking this idea around. Jared came up with this totally on his own. But it's just funny. I've been ta- talking about doing this for a while. So I'm so happy it's getting done. I love that we're doing it. I think that, you know, given that there's no tournament this year, this has been just, this is awesome. I've been looking forward to this all day. I've been like excited to watch the game, excited to do this. Um, so I'm, I'm just so happy you guys are doing this. This is awesome. I've had an absolute blast. Uh, from the IU point of view, I mean, it's everything we talked about. Like this is just this is a great game to watch, but it's also, again, just like a little disappointing because this is like 35 years ago. It's kind of one of our last great teams, but um, we'll get back there. We'll be good. But no, this has been awesome. I appreciate you guys doing this. We'll be doing a couple more of these. Um, I'm doing one next week, the IU Kent State game, which I was at. Um, so I'm excited to do that. But no, Ryan Coach, it has been an absolute pleasure. You guys do great work. I love the postgame shows you guys do. So please keep up the great work. And to everybody who's listening, just thank you guys for spending time with us. I know that... Uh, I talk a lot. Ryan talks a lot. Coach did the best he could, but uh, I know it's been a long (laughs) one, but hopefully it's been fun. So, uh, no, I really appreciate it, guys. It's been awesome. Ryan, your last call. Yeah, it's been like herding cats for Coach. I really apologize for (laughs) for the years years we've taken off his life. Uh, If he had hair, it'd all be great now. I know. (laughs) It'd it'd look like this now. He actually, guys, for those of you who are just doing it, started 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 with hair. Full head of hair. It was thicker than this. Um, no, this is last. I had fun. I had fun rewatching the game. It's, it's cool. As I said earlier to, to see different eras of basketball and how you, how teams attacked and, and how the game has changed. And if you watch games from that era and five years after that, five years after that, five years after that, you'll see different things going on. And it's, it's really impressive. And I thought it was great that I got to be on one of these where there was a legendary player as a collegian in Shaq and then a legendary collegian in Calvert Cheney as well. Um, it was great that that sort of the world's collided there. And then of course, Matt Nover and Shaq are in the same one, which is awesome for me as a fan of blue chips, but um, no, it was, it was a ton of fun to do. I loved hanging out with you guys, Scott. Thanks for coming on and, and coach. Thanks for hosting. Um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, these look backs, I mean, we're making the best of a, of a tough situation. And, and obviously we all wish there was live basketball going on and live college basketball. But uh, if this is what we got, this was pretty dang fun. So uh you know, looking forward to the next one. And, uh, for, for mine, thank you to both of you for, uh, joining me. And, uh, 
this is this is great uh, going back. It is um, obviously tough times without uh, any Indiana basketball, any tournament basketball games, uh, sports in general. Please take care of e- each other, uh, and hopefully that we provide uh, you with a little bit of uh, uh, entertainment during this uh, time of, of you know, uh, struggle in our country. So uh, we'll be back again Thursday for um, Assembly Call Radio and then a couple more re- rewatch uh, shows. We appreciate everyone in the chat mob, uh, Homefield Apparel, everyone uh, that uh, sponsors us and gets a hold of us. It means a lot, a lot to us as well, being on the show. And to you two guys, it was a, it was a blast. I couldn't ask for two, two better co-hosts. Sorry about the little flub up on the, the banner moment, the technology. It's been a while since I've had 19 different tabs open and the Jared technology uh, going on. I think I'm buying Ryan uh, uh, an Apple computer so he can uh, host it at some <laughs> point. Just take take uh, some extra money I have and send him a computer because it, it does stress you out a little bit. But it's it's a lot of fun. Great, great game to watch. Uh, I love the shooting. Always love shooting. Always love def- defense and toughness. There was no fake hustle tonight uh, as your Indiana Hoosiers defeated the LSU Tigers on their way to uh, Sweet 16 and Final Four. So for the gang, I'm Brian Tonsoni. Um, I'm not even going to hit the post-game audio. Jared said I didn't have to, so we're just going to say goodnight. Uh, And we'll see you Thursday night. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.